Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, sitting across the table from my good buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. We're glad you're sitting here, right here at the table with us. You're here in spirit, that's for sure. Amen to that, yes. There's a big, growing Grace Guard Dog pound out there, isn't there, Steve? I tell you what, it's growing. I'm so happy. Thank you guys. Thank you for for listening in. Thanks for all you that are tuning in in Indiana, especially. There there must be something, a a little fire there in Indiana. Seems like a group must have said, hey, let's check this out. We appreciate you guys in California, too. It seems like a group got a hold of the the podcast and wants to kick it around and and listen to it a little bit too so we thank you for the group in california we have a listener in guam yes and the guy in guam thank you sir thank you reminds me of that congressman and he was serious apparently but he said he was worried that if all the people on guam went to one side of the island if I flip over. <laughs> the sad thing is someone elected this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder what in the world he meant by that. So we're praying for that guy that he stays in the middle of the island. Yeah. And keeps listening to the Guardians of Grace podcast. That's what we're praying for. And if the island should flip He's got enough grace to hang in there. That's right. So we switched from resonating Seneco. Seneco. To Sasunamai? Sunastenamai, yes. How do you say it? (laughs) Sunestamai. Sunestamai, yes. Sunestamai. Soon is together. And Estemai is to stand. It, yeah, and it was the the idea that of Sunestemai is standing together. It's we preponderance of evidence. All the evidence points to this: the fact that he loved us. The fact that he loved us. Yeah. Not only was it that he loved us, but he loved us at our worst condition. Yes. When we were unlovable, basically. When, when we were actually enemies, even. Adversarial. Um, adversarial to him, he died for us. Which, it, it takes that kind of love demonstrated to get past the lie that Adam believed and through corporate identity passed on to every person where they believe that God is this hard, austere, demanding God that really hard to please. And if you don't please him, watch out because his patience is short. Yes. He can just put up with us so long. 
because he's also a just God, Bill. Yeah. And they scare you with that idea when they they have no business scaring you because of the new covenant that he made. He said, I'll make a new covenant with you. In in that new covenant, you don't have to be afraid of me. Your it's sins a just covenant. Deep. Yes. <laughs> it is a just covenant. It's it a is. righteous covenant because it's his righteous. Yeah. So, sorry, but God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't love you one moment and then is torn between his, you know, I want to love him, but man, they're just irritating, aggravate me and keep doing the wrong things. Yes. We yes. do the wrong things because we don't have the strength to do the right things. And that's the beauty of the new covenant. In the new covenant, we're supposed to have that as an established fact. What, what am I mean by that? The fact that we don't have the strength and the determination to be pleasing to the people around us and to make this planet a better planet to live on. We don't have what it takes to do that. That should be established by now so that we can enjoy the new covenant and be the instruments that God uses to make the planet a beautiful place to live. That God, through us, gets the job done. Through our weakness. When yes. we are weak, he is strong. Yes. And when we, we're afraid, he's bold. And we just give him the credit for what he does through us, what we couldn't do for ourselves. And we're going to continue that, that theme. we got some more cool stuff to share and even some more corporate identity and perhaps a review of last week to help get us to where we are okay we, we did the Romans 5 12 through one man we got this one man concept and well I'll let you explain it yeah Steve. yeah in Romans 5 we, we had the one man was a corporate personality and what he did counted for all men in that he ate the forbidden fruit and we all got credit for eating the forbidden fruit then another corporate personality came and the second man and he died on the cross and was the payment for our sins and we all got credit for paying for our sins in full even though we didn't deserve to get credit for that either we didn't deserve to get credit for eating the forbidden fruit and we didn't Get, deserve to get credit for living the perfect life and being a sacrificial lamb. But God sees us as having the bill completely paid through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's why he, all the time through the Old Testament, had this running theme of corporate identity in eternal statements and temporal statements and on and on it went with the things that he's trying to give us a firm foundation of like when in Genesis in the, we were looking at Genesis 49 where it was saying that um, Jacob was blessing his 12 sons but when you analyze those blessings it was actually blessing millions of people and it was 
doing blessings that were 400 years in the future, even though it was talking like they were present tense. But they were blessings and it was foretellings of how we would receive a king and it would come from the tribe of Judah and it actually foretold the life of David, son of Judah, the lineage of Judah. It, the whole thing was spelled out so we could watch it work itself out through the annals of history. And then it didn't work out. And then even Paul and those guys, they, they elected their own judge and Paul was the judge, not the king. He was the judge and Saul, you mean. Saul and he, he, it seemed like he was messing things up, but God causes all things to work together to work according to his plan. That, that's what working together for good means, working together to fulfill God's plan. That's what the good is, is God's plan being fulfilled. Even Saul thwarting the kingship that was supposed to go to the line of Judah in Genesis 49, that was part of the plan. <laughs> it, it's all part of God's purpose. If you get that, really gives you peace. Yes. So what happened with Saul? He's the king. And then, if you remember, everyone knows this, that went to Sunday school at any time in your childhood. There was this rather huge guy, almost 10 feet tall, named Goliath, right? Yep. And he was taunting Israel, challenging them, provoking them slamming them and they were terrified of this guy and even the guy Saul who it's funny the reason Saul got voted king was just because he was kind of big yeah that was it he was tall he was tall that was his claim to fame yeah so human Potential, academic potential? Is that a word, academic? It sure is. Okay. It's a very scholarly word there, Bill. Academic <laughs> potential really doesn't mean anything to God. Actually, it's kind of funny. I think God likes to, to take the worst, least likely scenario. And that's exactly what happens... And such is the case with the guy we were talking about last week, David. In 1 Samuel 17 is the famous David and Goliath that we talked about earlier that I mentioned. And David goes to bring his brothers some food. And he notices this Goliath taunting them. And what sticks out in David's mind is the fear that they have and so he's he's like why are you guys putting up with this and no one wants to fight this guy he issues a challenge every day day and night come fight me an MMA match <laughs> no one takes him up on it 
so this guy David who's probably 12, 14, 15 years old now he's not old enough to join the army so he's a kid basically he says I'll fight him let me just read here in 1 Samuel I'm going to start in 17 17 I'm going to start in 31 okay what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. That was the, like, why is nobody fighting this guy? Why are we taking these insults? So Saul had David brought to him. Remember, Saul's not supposed to be king, according to our Genesis 49 prophecy. Exactly. David said to Saul, after he's brought to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Yeah, why should anyone be discouraged by a guy that's 10 feet tall? So David says, don't be discouraged. I'll fight him. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're, you're just a kid. And he's been a warrior since he was young. The guy's trained. Guy's an MMA trained, ten foot giant, bad. You know what? <laughs> mm -hmm. And David says, I'll, "I'll fight him." Why would David get such a thought? First Samuel seventeen thirty four. David answered, "Your servant has been tending his father's sheep." <laughs> okay, great credentials. He's a fighter, and you're a Herder. shepherd. Yeah. A sheep herder. But he says, whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down, and I rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. I, your servant, has killed lions, I've killed bears, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So that, that word Lord there is one of those capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I am. It's the I am. And what have we learned about the I am and corporate identity? It, it's always present tense. He said, the I am was with me when the bear took one of my sheep. The I am was with me when the lion took one of my sheep. So, he says, the I am will be with, with me to fight this giant. Something tells me David is not thinking he's going to fight him in his 14-year-old strength. How would you know that? How would you know that the Lord is your strength? Well, he had, a, he had experience. That's scary. I've, I've never seen a bear except that. I don't even think I've seen a bear at the zoo. I've seen a lion at the zoo. I went to Lion Country Safari. And I was in my parents' car. I was seven years old, so... But I wouldn't want to get out of the car and walk around. I would not want to fight a lion or a bear. That's stupid. But David has that 
testimony that the I am was his strength. The I am fought for him. The I am protected him. The I am shielded him. The I am delivered him. The I am won the battle, got back his lamb, preserved his life, did everything that a savior is supposed to do. And David had that testimony. So Saul, not getting this, he said to David, okay, okay, go go, and maybe I am be with you. Which he really doesn't understand even half of what David meant by that testimony. But he says, then Saul had his own military clothes that he put on David. Are the weapons of our warfare carnal? Are human? Are divine? They're divine. What did David say about Saul's armor? It's distracting. Yes. I'd rather put on the armor of the I am. So to make a long story short, David, as we know, defeats Goliath wins the victory for Israel and later on David is made king perfectly completing what was spoken about in Genesis 49 he came from the line of Judah and it was history tells us I didn't find this out but I read it that it was within a year six months or so that David started writing the Psalms. After this experience, David started writing the Psalms. And let's just read one of the Psalms about the I Am. So, Psalm 18, verse 2 says, The I Am is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. That word is Yeshua in the Hebrew my Jesus, my God, my rock, in him I take refuge. He's my refuge. He's my shield and my horn of salvation, my high tower. What what exactly is a horn of salvation? Do you know offhand, Bill? Actually, I just recently know, because I've always, like, I've never known. I just sat quietly in Bible studies when they said, he's the horn of my salvation. And I, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the horn. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows about the horn. Uh, but apparently, I looked it up because I wanted to know too. But a horn is the part of an animal that's considered his strength. And then it also has a double meaning because it's the horn that they use to pour the anointing oil to put on people. So if you think of it this way, his strength becomes your anointing. You're anointed with his strength. You're anointed with his strength. That's what makes him your rock, him your refuge, him your, all those, your fortress, your deliverer, your Yeshua, your shield. God say the same thing to Abraham 
when it says the I am appeared to Abraham and said, I am your shield, shield your great reward, and your very great reward. And he's your high tower. High tower is something that allows you to look out on the horizon and see danger before it gets to you. The Holy Spirit actually alerts you that trouble's coming. The Holy Spirit shields you from trouble. The Holy Spirit strengthens you to do what you can't do in your own strength. And that's how you it rewards you. That's why it's your reward. The whole yes. You get rewarded your for what the Holy Spirit reward. does. It's your rock. And th- this is what I need the most. I need a rock because, well, you know me better than a lot of people. Can I get blown back and forth and carried away in my thoughts? And I need an anchor for my soul. I need a rock to grab on. And, and several hold. times a day. Several times just, a day. Just like me. I need the I am to be my... Rock. rock. So let's go back to Romans 6 if we can. Yes. And pick up where we, a little bit where we left off. But we did go over that through corporate identity, we died for all our sins. We were buried and then we were resurrected to walk in newness of life and the the Greek word is actually freshness of life just like a a new beginning so we walk in this new anointing this anointing is our rock our fortress, our deliverer, our rock our refuge, our shield our horn of salvation it's all these things and it's just so cool to see that God saw all that in Judah all that through Jacob when he prophesied about his 12 sons and Judah in particular and he said I'm going to make you the kings the the kings are going to come from your lineage and even David in particular is going to come for your and that's who we're talking about in your lineage and then later it says they'll become a king of kings and lord of lords that will come from the line of Judah. And did that happen? It came through David. It came through David. Jesus was from the line of David. And let me read this one prophecy, if I can, if I can find it, remember it maybe. It was in Luke chapter 1 where it says the same word about it's prophesying to Mary about Jesus And it says the same phrase, he will be the horn of your salvation. He'll be the one that delivers the anointing to all my people. The anointing of strength. The anointing of strength. The anointing of no fear. The uh, What's the opposite of fear? Confident. Confidence. The anointing of confidence, which Hebrew says, don't throw away your confidence. It has a great reward. He's our reward, too. So everything that we need to be, the I am, is Is. for us. Yes. So let's go back to some Romans 6, what shall we say then? Okay. 
can we go to maybe Romans 6, 14? Sure, sure. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Yes. So, just to tie in all that you were saying, because Jacob prophesied these things to Judah about how they would receive a king, how the king would be King David, and from King David's loins would come Jesus, King of Kings, that all that was prophesied prophesied so that we could put our confidence in Jesus, the anointed one who had come up, lived a perfect life, had died on the cross for our sins, got our sin debt paid for us. He did that for us. Now we're talking about in Romans 7 about in Romans 6 about our day-to-day life and just like what he did with David and the bear and the lion, how David experienced God's spirit strengthening him so that he could beat the bear or the lion we experience God's strength strengthening us so that we can live the Christian life. That's why he says, you're not slaves because you're not under law, but you're under grace. Then it goes on to say, well, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And here we go again. Heck no, may it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Don't you know when you present yourselves, you remember Jesus saying, The truth will set you free. I will set you free. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I will set you free. And they said, no, we're not slaves. And he said, if you sinned, you're a slave to sin. And sin is mastering you and causing you to sin. It's enslaved you and causing you to sin. That's what Jesus was telling those people. And that's true for us today. Sin masters us and causes us to sin. So he says, when you presented yourselves to either sin or righteousness, you're slaves to the one you obey. You're either a slave of righteousness or you're a slave of sin. But there's this idea being mentioned here that when you present yourselves saying, don't you know when you present yourselves like this as if you could present yourself? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Can I present myself to one or the other? Will this question be answered in the next few verses? And I think it clearly is answered. He says, when you present yourselves slaves for either obedience or slaves for disobedience, 
you're a slave to the one you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. The question, can I present myself to one of those two? He says, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you are now committing. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to determination. No, thanks be to God. Thanks be to human willpower. No, thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you were slaves of sin. Does that sound very free to you? No. And then he says, thanks be to God that you, though you were slaves, you did this thing. I'm thanking God that you became obedient from the heart to the teaching which you are now committed. That you, let's let's say Steve, Steve became obedient from the heart. I thank God that Steve active voice became obedient from the heart. I thank God that he did because the rest of the sentence goes on to say passive voice. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Having been freed, you didn't free yourself. You were freed by the power of God and you were enslaved, you didn't enslave yourself. Remember it said, present your members as instruments of of obedience resulting in righteousness. No, this says you were enslaved to righteousness, passive voice, you didn't do it. Active voices, Johnny hit the ball, passive voices, the ball hit Johnny. Well, the ball hit you and caused you to be a slave of righteousness. Not a free moral agent, but a slave. Does that sound free to you or not? Or does it sound like you've been apprehended and made a slave? That's why he said, thanks be to God, that though it seemed like you made a choice to become obedient from the heart to that form of teaching, you didn't actually passive voice. You were freed from sin. There was an action taken on your behalf and it freed you in the invisible realm. You got freed from it and you were enslaved to righteousness. Passive voice, you didn't do it. I'm just reading you the scriptures. That is what the scriptures say. You can look them up for yourself and see if it's passive voice or active voice and where it's passive and where it's active. You can see that it says you were freed passive voice from sin. You couldn't do it. That's why in Romans 7, it goes on to say, it's saying, in other words, Romans 6 right here that we're going over is the Reader's Digest condensed version of what we see in Romans 7. He says, I'm imprisoned by sin dwelling in me. I no longer do the thing I hate. It's sin doing it through me. Who will rescue me? Well, when it said passive voice, you were freed from sin. 
means passive voice. You were rescued. And when Paul got rescued, didn't he say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ? Well, you were rescued from sin. Thanks be to God. Isn't that what it said? Thanks be to God. It did say thanks be to God because God deserves the glory for it. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who is in you, who saved you from sin. When you battled sin, it dominated you. But thanks be to God, the spirit is in you. And when it battles sin, it wins. When there's an abundance of the spirit, the spirit overtakes the sin and you become a what? Come on, you guys, tell me what it says. Slave for righteousness. Slave for righteousness. Does that sound free to you? It literally sounds what I want, like what I want, though. Yeah, I want to be free from sin, that's for sure. But you know that same word, who will deliver me? It's the same word that if you look up in the Greek on 1 Samuel, it's the same word that the one who delivered me from the lion, one who delivered me from the bear. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying he'll deliver me from this giant. And now Paul's telling us, He'll deliver you from the sin guy. It's it's always the same thing. You see, just as the, the Old Testament was a type or shadow, that's why we were reading those stories, because they're identical to what is going on here. God is freeing David from the bear or the lion. He's overruling the bear or the lion and making David reign supreme. Just like God is in you, making you reign supreme over sin. That's why it says sin will not be your master because you are not under the law. When you put yourselves under the law, you short circuit everything, so to speak. Maybe as before you keep going, could you give us a definition of that word obedience or obey in the Greek? Yes. go, Go ahead. It actually means, I wanted to say, it means to obey. (laughs) Obey, there's no other way. But even if you take it like that, obey, there's no other way. Thanks be to God because he's causing you to do it. But it it means to underhear. Hupercoia. Hupercoia, right? Under the hearing, yeah. Under the hearing of. Okay, but when you were... Thanks be to God that you're under the hearing of obedience. Then verse 19, he says, after he said in verse 18, having been freed, passive voice from sin, you became, you didn't present yourself slaves of righteousness. You became a slave of righteousness. Passive voice. You did not do that. You did not make yourself a slave of righteousness because you can't. It's up to the Holy Spirit to do this. Amen. Then he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. I'm going to tell you the same thing again in human terms. I'm being sarcastic, you guys. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, meaning you can't do this, okay? It's just like I told you all through the Old Testament, do this, do that, do this, do that. I'm giving you a command. You never could obey the commands, and you can't when you 
I give you this one. It says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. I'm speaking because of the weakness of your flesh. You can't do that because the rest of the sentence, the sentence doesn't end there. He says, I'm speaking in terms of the weakness of your flesh to do this because you can't, because the rest of the sentence is, the rest of the sentence says, for when you were slaves, you couldn't get yourself free. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin, passive voice, you didn't free yourself. That's why he said, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. You can't free yourself. That's why it says in Paul, I see a different principle working in the members of my body, waging war against the law in my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members, a wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. He's thanking God because God did it for him. God was the active voice there. Paul was not. Here it's say, saying that, but now having been freed, passive voice, and enslaved to God. Literally, it's telling you that you're a slave of God. Do, do the people who preach free will, do they ever go to this verse and say, no, you're a slave of God? This, this verse clearly means you have free will, right? that you're a slave of God? Do you ever hear them talk about this verse at all? But this verse says you became a slave of God. The outcome is eternal life. The outcome is that you're manifesting eternal life. What did Jesus say eternal life was in John 17? This is eternal life that they experience you, Father, and they experience me. That is eternal life, experiencing God. The outcome of being passive voice, freed from sin, and passive voice enslaved to God, the outcome of that is experiencing God. The outcome is eternal life, which is experiencing God. That's what eternal life is. The outcome is you get to experience him when he freezes you and you give him the credit for what he did through you. You didn't do it. He gets the credit. It can't be more clear than this. No, it can't. It can't. It was pretty clear, wasn't it? What Romans 6 was saying after it said, sin shall not be your master. Because you are not under the law, which would be your will, 
yes, but under grace. But under grace where grace can set you free from this body of sin and death because you can't do it. Stay in the realm of grace where God can do it through you and for you. That's what all this is trying to say. That's why we went into the Old Testament and showed that it was just saying the same thing again as, as God saved King David before he was a king from the bear and the lion. God saves you from the bear of sin, the lion of sin. He saves you from that constantly, every day, all day long, every time sin snares you and then you find yourself disappointing yourself and not doing exactly what you want to do or what you know to be right to do and you're going, man, I'm messing up right now. I'm messing up. Well, and what you hear is, sorry to interrupt, but what Paul, Paul starts out in Romans 1 and then he ends in Romans 16 with the same thing as you've been saying. You're slaves to the one you obey. You're slaves to the hearing that you're under. And he starts out, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which is a message that you hear. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is, in the gospel, the power of God is unveiled by faith. I'm not ashamed of what I'm under hearing, the gospel. Right, and then he says the same thing to end the letter to Romans. Now to him who's able to establish you by my gospel, which is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. There is a power, power that is just in the message that you hear, and it changes your life. Exactly the same way David's life was changed because he saw and he heard the I am in his life. And it wasn't, David wasn't committed to, you know, I shouldn't say that. I don't know David, but, but I've heard that all my Christian life is your slaves to the one you obey and obedience is the very best way. And, and, and it just gets, it put me right back into under the law. I was just believing a different law. I was believing that the law of basically what I believed is God forgave me. He paid for my sins. And now from this day forward, you need to live a life of obedience. And I never knew until you told me once that obedience actually is hupercoia under the hearing. Akoya is where we get our root acoustics from. It's under the hearing. The, the power that enables you to live the Christian life is on the message that you're hearing. And the message doesn't motivate your flesh. The message is music to the ears of the spirit inside of you, and it just resonates, to borrow from a word last time. It sunechos. It also sunestimai. It just stands together, overwhelming evidence that what I'm hearing is true, God is my strength. God is my righteousness. God is my peace. God is whatever I need to be. And God is my obedience. I can live the Christian life 
He it, said, I am, and you fill in the blank. Whatever you need him to be, he is. He is. My, my peace. Yes. I'm a chronic warrior. He is your peace. Yeah. It's, it's, I've tried everything to get peace. I've tried writing out a list of things that I need to accomplish. I've tried shaming myself for being fearful. None of that works. No. But when I hear this, that he's my peace, it puts me at peace. Yes. And it's not because I'm committing to peace. It's be, There's something on the anointing of he's my peace that brings peace to my life. Because he frees you from anxiety. Do, do you by chance want to close us in prayer? Yes. Yeah. it's that time. Okay. Well, you were on a roll. Go ahead and close us. Father God, thank you that, that you are our peace and you are whatever we need. So we should trust you and not ourselves. Please help us to get that one point. David did not trust in his own might to kill the lion or the bear. He trusted in you to do that. In our own strength, we don't kill the sin guy that lives within our human nature. He dominates us and embarrasses us over and over. That's the secret to why we misbehave, even though we know what's right to do and want to do what's right. Father God, help us to understand and just depend on you. It's one thing to hear all this, Father. You're allowing us to hear it. Now give us the grace and the strength to live by your power. In your son's name, I pray these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you guys for listening. We love you guys. Love you guys. Just got an idea for next week's podcast. <laughs> and I got to shut my mouth. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll get to it next week. Love you guys. Good night.